Welcome to the Post Victory Formation Podcast. Tune in every week to hear Mike and Kyle's thoughts about the news around the league. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Post Victory Formation Podcast. And just like that, we are down to four teams in the NFL. We've got the NFC and AFC matchups lined up. And Mike, we had four games over the weekend. Saturday, Sunday, Early on, we had a blowout between the uh, Baltimore and Houston. We then tightened things up Saturday night with the 49ers and the Packers. Sunday followed it up with close matchups between the Lions and Bucks, as well as the Chiefs and the Bills. Mike, let's dive into it. Which game would you like to uh, discuss first? Um, I want to... I do want to just start with the Texans and Ravens. I know there wasn't much there. Everybody knew the Ravens were going to do whatever, but just kind of watching on how the Texans performed. If you're a Texans fan, there's an extremely bright future for you guys. I think you guys went through, a, they, they went through the little bit of a rebuild, but watching CJ Stroud work. It was a lot of bit of a rebuild. Yeah. But watching them go through everything and kind of get these rookies and two-year players going was pretty Pretty good to watch, but I mean, as we've talked about it before, the Ravens are just a juggernaut of a team, and I mean, we'll talk about the the matchups later on when we do odds, but they're just a juggernaut of a team, and I think America kind of knew what was going to happen, so that's all I got to go on that game. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. It was close in the first half, then they went halftime. John Harbaugh said, WTF, guys, let's start. Let's start playing the fo- a football game. And the Ravens said, LOL, okay. And that was the end of the Houston Texans. Packers. Game number, game number yeah. two. Packers hurt me, man. I thought they were going to win. We both did. 49ers looked rough. Anders Carlson missed the field goal. We dropped two picks, potentially. There were some bad calls, but as a losing team, we will always blame something on a bad call. That's how football is. But um, I think we could have done better, but you kind of brought it up, you know, spoke about it before, and even we've talked about it on the podcast before. Every, we weren't supposed to be there, but we almost made it to the NFC Championship with the team we have. And if we can keep some stuff together and maybe – um work on our special teams a little bit, not saying our kick returns or anything bad, but more just figure out if Anders is going to put in the work on the off season for kicking, because I think he's missed like 12 or 14 this year. I think he leads the team and the um, yeah, or yeah, leads the league and miss kicks. Th- that's hurt us in a lot of games, especially, Especially the divisional round of the NFL playoffs going, you know, against the Lions at home, which we we would have been doing. Um, The 49ers did not look like they were everything, which makes me, you know, question next week's game. But as I said, we'll get into that later. But that's kind of how it was with the Packers. I have I think we have an extremely bright future. I truly believe that we skipped an entire rebuild. 
I not even wedged into it. Like we completely skipped a rebuild. We almost made it to the playoffs last year. We went the year before and we and we almost made it to the MC championship again. We literally completely skipped a rebuild. I don't know how they did it. Jordan Love really came out. Um, he made a piss poor decision at the last play of the game with that interception, but he even said, I mean, he he's aware of the mistake and he knew it was a it was a hard play and a potential hard pass, but for him to realistically only make mistakes in this last game, which I know it was the playoffs and everything, but he hasn't made mistakes in, in nine games almost in a row. So um, shit happens. This was his first year starting, and to go this far, I don't think anybody's holding it against him. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. If I'm a Packers fan, the future's looking bright. The NFC North next year is going to be wild, which we will discuss once we hit the offseason. But on the other side of it, Mike, looking at the 49ers, Debo Samuel goes down early on with a uh, shoulder injury. He, do you think that played a big part as to why the 49ers looked so bad that he was a big part of their game plan? Or do you uh, think that they had, they had other issues? I think it, Debo? they had other issues too, because before halftime, Brock Purdy did not look like Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy looked like Kenny Pickett for a little bit. Um, was, wasn't making the greatest throws, but I will say, I think that a big part of him not making those throws and everything was just a huge demoralizing factor that Debo Samuel was gone. I think he is such a big part of the play, uh, calling whether he gets the ball or not. I think how they have him schemed, like fake end arounds even. Yeah. They're not even doing an end around. They're just going to drop back and he's going to pass the ball, but you know, even putting him in motion behind the line, I think terrifies other teams and makes other people like think, hey, they might go to him for a toss or a handoff or something, or even him running slot. Really, just anything he does, people, somebody's looking at him, and it's not the worst cornerback either that's going to be on him. It's going to be somebody decent. And I think that was a huge part of it because once he was out of the thing the game, they were like, okay, now we can start predicting some shit that they're going to fucking do. Yeah, I think when you lose it reduces the number of plays that you can run just because you don't really have the personnel packages in place to replace Debo. And yeah, I agree. He's kind of that. He loosens up the defense a little bit like, Hey, you know, where's Debo? Where's Debo? Well, now we don't have to worry about Debo. Now we can just play straight up man, uh, man, or, or, you know, we don't have to worry about getting burned in, in zone coverage or whatever. I mean, it's, like you said, that's a big weapon off the field. Now they still got Ayuk, uh, McCaffrey, George Kittle, etc. So it's not like they were down to nobody. They still had plenty of uh, weapons. But yeah, just having that wild card in Devo Samuel, I, I, I think it did keep the game closer than what we all originally anticipated. Oh, you really anticipated it too. Yeah, I honestly, yeah, I know I picked last week on the pod, I picked the Niners, but this course of the week, I started to shift thinking the Packers had a shot. And man, they almost proved me right. But you know what? They did cover. So there's something to be said about that. But yeah, Mike, you can't be upset. They had a great season. They, I agree that I still believe that this year was their rebuild, but it was an expedited rebuild. Uh, when they, they traded uh, Rasul Douglas. They got, I believe they got a second rounder 
Yeah, they that was the second round. So yeah, so they're going to go in this off season, a little extra draft capital, and probably going to go mostly towards that defense because that defense had some problems. But yeah, if I'm Green Bay and that young of a core, you got a lot of guys on friendly team friendly deals. You can go out and sign a couple big free agents if uh, they've got a desire to come to Green Bay. Game number three was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. And again, another close game, another entertaining game. Looking at it from the Bucks side, Mike, did Baker Mayfield earn a contract with the Bucks? I know he was on a one-year deal with them this year. Uh, went out, had a career year, over 4,000 yards. Um, looked a couple games were duds, but for the most part, looked like the old Baker. No shortage of confidence. You think he's uh, you think he's earned that contract to stay with Tampa Bay? Oh yeah, he's gonna get. They should look. Do you think they should look elsewhere? No, they're gonna keep him because I even um, some podcasts and some news things and some whatever. Just when the Buccaneers teammates have been talking about him. They love him in the locker room. They love the confidence. They say he's a really team guy, uh, you know, team, you know, whatever team player. Yeah. And Todd Bowles uh, came out and said the same thing too, that they hope to have him back. I think he's going to get a little lesser than like the Gino contract. See, I I'm glad you said that. I was thinking the same thing. I think he gets the Gino contract. Even if he does, I mean, that's great money for him, and they have a good quarterback. And even if he's not the greatest thing for the rest of the time, they've got a quarterback that can teach a a newer guy what the ropes are of the NFL. Yeah, I think think they can get Baker on a a team-friendly deal like the Geno Smith deal, pending that they can re-sign Mike Evans. Because Mike Evans' contract is up. By the way, the Geno Smith contract, so everybody knows, was a three-year deal worth up to $75 million in incentives. But it was a guaranteed $40 million three-year deal. Nothing crazy. Because yeah. if you compare that to Joe Burrow's you know, contract or uh, Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or anybody else's, you know, that's getting $30, $40 million a year. Um, a three-year deal at seventy-five million and forty million guaranteed is not crazy at all. Yeah, I think he's going to get. I I thought the money was a little more with the Geno contract. To me, I think he's going to get three at one hundred and five, and call it sixty guaranteed. Wow, Geno would be signing some dotted lines. So, well, I think that's what Baker's going to get. Because, you know, the market's changed a little bit, salary cap going up, all that. So I think he's north of a I think he's north of a thirty million dollar quarterback. I think he's south of a forty million. So you know and, and the Buccaneers have good bones too. They With- do. This is this is not a team and and they talked about this on the broadcast and Todd Bowles said like before the season a lot of a lot of people were picking the Bucks to finish last. My, I mean, I wasn't high on the Bucks. I thought the Falcons were going to take the division personally. But, I mean, you remove Tom Brady, you know, an 87-year-old man at quarterback. You bring in Baker on a prove-it deal. 
I think we all kind of over, you know, we all kind of overlooked the Bucks because we know Baker's got no shortage of confidence. He's gotten, you know, he's more than willing to go out and prove you wrong. And he did that to a lot of people this year. And I think, I think it earned him the contract. I personally, I hope he comes back with the Bucks because, uh, that would put them as my front runner again for the NFC South next year. Oh yeah, for sure. And plus White's young. I mean, he's a great running back to have. And the O-line has been bolstered up a little bit and has some younger players on it as well. There's not a lot of up contracts, as you said. I think the major one is Mike Evans. Yeah, defense is getting a little old, though. I would I would invest some in that defense. But overall for the Bucks, great season. Great to see Baker have a career year and have the level of success that he did. But moving on to the winners of set of uh, Sunday afternoon's game, the Lions, Mike. Cut. Dude, can, for first, first before we go down a train, I'm gonna let you go on your thing here in a second. Hats off to Derek Barnes, three years in the league, first interception that was, I would say, game altering, completely. Well, yeah, it was game ending, Mike, and. Just good on him. Yeah, it was an it was an impressive interception. He and afterwards he didn't give the uh, you know just generic answer to the sideline reporter. He broke it down in football terms. Like, yeah, I was looking at his eyes. I knew you know where it was in the seams and all that. Like, he broke that thing down, and, and it just you know tells you that's a guy putting in the work, listening making notes, making sure he's, he's perfect when it comes to his assignment and plays disciplined football. And that's what you see with the lions is they, they're a group as a whole, they play for each other. They're disciplined Campbell leader of men type guy. And they've gone out and they went out against Sunday. It was a business trip. You watch that game and it just never felt like, as a Lions fan, we're so used to feeling like, man, we're just one, you know, bad call away or one, you know, unlucky bounce away from this game, you know, getting out of hand. But Lions, the whole time, it just, it felt like, yep, Lions have this one in the bag. They looked comfortable out there. And an, inter- an interesting stat too, Mike, Lions have yet to trail in the playoffs. They have played... 120 minutes of football and they have either led or been tied for all 120 minutes. Huh? I did not know that. So yeah, they've been constant front runners. And if they want to have any shot against the 49ers, I feel like they need to jump out early, but yeah, it was an impressive performance for the Lions. Very, very happy. I think like much like the Packers too, I think they're a year ahead of where we all expected them to be. I expected them to be in the playoffs. I expected them to win a playoff game. And now here we are. We're in the NFC championship game. Lions are 60 minutes from a Super Bowl, Mike. And to tell me, you know, if you were to tell that to any Lions fan, myself at the beginning of the year, I'd been like, man, I I can see it, but we need a lot of help to get there. And Mike, they haven't had any help. They've just gone out and earned it. They have. I just the secondary started looking better against the Bucks finally. 
Um, I hope they can keep that going because if they don't, I the 49ers are a team that have enough weapons that'll totally chew them the fuck apart. Yeah, I agree. Aaron Glenn has been upping the uh, pressures. It's not something that he really cares to do, but at this point, it's something he has to do to generate a pass rush. We keep hearing that James Houston's going to be coming back, and James Houston would be a perfect complement to Aiden Hutchinson. But until that happens, yeah, they're going to keep upping the blitzes. We saw a lot of blitzes from the secondary on Sunday, which got home and got to Baker. But that's mm. not Aaron Glenn's primary game. He, he 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 wants to have a pure pass trust. He wants to put guys back in coverage. He doesn't want to have to be constantly sending uh, blitzes from all over the field. Well, so, that Fortnite is not the team to do that with CMC in the backfield and if Debo's back healthy with Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, you can set all the blitz you want to. They got people that they can dip the ball off to left and right, especially in having people downfield with blockers. It's a hard team to do it against, and that's what we talked about with the Packers. I think that did catch us a break because we could focus on different things. There's you, You're essentially going against two running backs all the time with, with a fullback. You know, yeah. on how the 49ers are, and that's hard. And I think the blitzes, though – has saved Aaron. I don't know why everybody's so high on Aaron Glenn. I I think he's good. I think he has had his flaws early on, and I know a bunch of people wanted him to get gone for, from Lions fans. I genuinely think blitzing has saved him his job. Well, see, he's still a hot candidate for head coaching, and which Chris blows Collinsworth, my mind. Chris Collinsworth talked about this in the broadcast last week when they were playing against the Rams. Last year, the Lions couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. Their defense was morbid. Zach Wilson let, lit them up. So they went into this offseason, and Mike, they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough capital between free agency and the draft to completely fix that defense without, you know, shoestringing them on offense because they had some offensive needs as well. So the Lions just buckle down and be like, okay, are we going to stop the run? Or are we going to stop the pass? And we'll, we'll, we'll personnel accordingly. And they decided they're going to go all in on stopping the run. And they've been consistently in the top five in stopping the run this season. Now, that being said, they still didn't, they were, they tried addressing their issues in the secondary. Like I mentioned last week, they've been riddled with injury. I think that's made the situation worse as to why they aren't able to stop, you know, why receivers are able to go off against that secondary. It's just the injuries. But the primary focus was doubling down and not allowing the run. So the Lions have done a good job at that. Aaron Glenn, if he had the horses to have a dominant secondary, I think they would have a good secondary. It's just you can only pick up so many players in free agency in the draft. And with the other glaring needs the Lions had, they just, they couldn't do it. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. I do think Aaron Glenn, he's doing a great job with the pieces that he has. And I think that's why he is still held in high regard for some of these head coaching vacancies. Now, Mike, moving on to the last game. We saw Patrick Mahomes on the road for the Kansas City Chiefs for the first time in his career. He goes into Buffalo 
and Mike, he's like, hey, I know we've beaten you before at home a million times at our place. Now we're going to come in here and beat you at your place. And that's what the Chiefs went out and did. And Mike, let's start with Buffalo. Is Buffalo done? Is their Super Bowl window closed? No. I still think they have another year on it just because I think Stefan Diggs will stay there because he does get the ball. Like, I know he's kind of a prima donna when it came down to the end of the Vikings days, but there's one thing that he gets at the Buffalo Bills, and that is the ball. He's been targeted like 80 times in the playoffs these last couple of games or something, or, or uh, the last, since the last like six games or seven games. There was some stat that he's been targeted a shitload regardless. And he gets the ball. He gets the looks all he wants. Um, James Cook is still on his rookie contract. They bolstered up the secondary with some signings. Um, I think they got one more year because I think Stefan Diggs will be out then. Um, I mean, that's your main guy, really. James Cook should, I think, his his rookie contract will either be up next year or the year after. All fingers are going to start pointing to uh, Josh Allen if they don't go. I mean, they're already starting to point at him. But if they, especially if they don't go next year, it'll really look bad. And then Sean McDermott point fingers are going to start getting pointed at him. He's going to be like in the same top that like uh, Mike Tomlin when is was in. Like, hey man, yeah, he's have winning seasons, but you just couldn't get us there. So we'd like you to get the fuck out. Mike, you want to know the list of quarterbacks that Josh Allen has beat in the playoffs? I yeah, I was like Mason Rudolph, Mason Rudolph. Skylar Thompson, Lamar Jackson, who died in that game. He was out by the third quarter. Mac Jones. And. There was one other one. There was one other non-remarkable QB. But Mike, yeah, it's. Nobody's. What's that? Nobody's. Really. And really. Josh Other Allen, than Lamar. I just, I this year he regressed until they had the OC change where they started to leverage James Cook more. But man, something's got to change, Mike. I I just feel like they keep running it back, running it back, running it back, and they're spinning their wheels. And I don't know if now again they showed signs of life after the OC change, but then they go into the playoffs and they do the same exact thing they always do, which is lose to the Chiefs. They're just... There needs to be a mentality shift, and I just... It's a hard one to pinpoint, Mike, but I I agree. I think McDermott is going to be in the hot seat next year. I think Josh Allen's going to be in the hot seat next year because they keep trying to run it back, and they and they never get it done. And then to start the Chiefs, I would just like, I'm so happy that Jason Kelsey was there. Like, I want to get a Jason Kelsey jersey. And that's strictly because. Because you're a simp. No, I didn't have to hear the fucking streaming service talk about Taylor Swift the entire time when I'm trying to watch fucking football. 
It's disgusting. And I want Kansas City out of the playoffs. There's going to give me no more joy in the world than watching the Ravens just throttle the Chiefs. They have too many weapons to do it. The Chiefs, how they performed against the Bills. I mean, if you can lock up Rashi Rice, Isaiah Pacheco is good. He has his flash. Like, he's really good. He has flashes to where, like, you can see some flaws in it. But you, you got Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey. Nobody else can catch the ball. Old brick hands, uh, what is it? Tooney was out of the game. And then uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's been a non-factor. McCole um, Hardman caught for negative yards. The Chiefs barely inked out this Bills win, and I think the Bills were going to have it. You're not going to be inking on a win going forward, and I know we're staying on this game, but just emphasis on the inked out. It was close, and I think I you have to play perfect ball for the Chiefs to beat the Bills how they did practically, and that's almost what they had to do. Yep. And Andy Reid, once again, Andy, that combination of Reid and Mahomes in the playoffs, you can never count them out. And they, again, they went into Buffalo and they showed it. And now they're going to go into Baltimore this week and try to try to do the same thing. So with that being said, Mike, I want to talk about the Super Bowl odds. And I want, I want you to... I want you to either agree or disagree if you think the team is is ranked too high or too low. So this list is fresh off of FanDuel as of 5 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Mike, they're saying the team with the worst odds to win the Super Bowl is the Detroit Lions at plus 850. Do you think they have the, the least chance to win the Super Bowl or... Would you put any team below them? I'm putting the Chiefs below them. Mike, my man, we're on the same page here. That's the only but, team that's going to go below them just because the other two teams have juggernauts, but I, I'm the the Chiefs are below the lines. They they have no I agree. It, if, if it were a Lions-Chiefs Super Bowl, I would pick the Lions to win straight up. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talk about Kansas City's lack of offense, the fact that Detroit struggles on, you know, struggles in the secondary at times, while Kansas City really doesn't have anybody to stretch that secondary, uh, minus Rashi Rice. But again, you lock him up, double cover him, it's game over. Uh, I agree. I think Detroit too low. And then, yeah, next on the list is Kansas City at plus 440. And I think that's grossly too high. I honestly would just swap Kansas City and Detroit and leave the odds the same. Uh, yes. Well, depending on on who's the forty, where's the 49ers at? So the 49ers, so the Ravens are number two at plus 170. The 49ers are the favorites to win the Super Bowl at plus 135. Mike, I almost, I think the Ravens would be my favorite. Ravens are the fit. Yeah, we have, we're on the same pick. It would be Ravens, 49ers, uh, Lions, then Kansas City. And plus, 
As much as I love Kyle Shanahan's play calling, I think Harbaugh is the better coach. Yeah. I, it's it's 1A and 1B. They both are very good. Uh, I, don't, I can't say one has a schematic advantage over the other. I, I like them both, Mike. I When you get to that level of coaching, I mean, both you consider both to be elite. Andy Reid, elite. Dan Campbell, man, we he, we think there's a chance. He gets this done and wins the Super Bowl, he will be elite. But I will say he's a very good coach right now. So you got four coaches right now in the in the conference championships. Not there's not one that you would consider a bum at this time. Nobody's locked into getting this far. No, 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 not at all, not at all. It's it's going to be a crazy championship weekend. I mean, yeah, all the coaches are good. You know what? One other thing I want to hit on too. The Lions can't do their bullshit against the 49ers either. About going for it and being really risky. I think he's going to have to throttle back on that. No. No, Mike. They're, they have overachieved this year. They've got nothing to lose. Do you think Dan Campbell's in the locker room? Like, hey, we have nothing to lose. It's we yeah. made it this far. We're Dan, gonna go for Dan some Campbell shit. has shown to be true to himself this entire postseason. And you know what? They haven't had really had a need to get aggressive, but when they have had to get aggressive, they do it. So no, I I don't want Dan to change. I want him to be true to himself. That's how the team plays, that's the mentality they've built. No, go out, do whatever you want. Go for a fake punt on your own 10-yard line. I don't care. Well, I was just about to ask Please you that, but yourself. all right, whatever. So, so I'm, I'm good with my list, Mike, if you, if, uh, you want to move on. Yes, we are going to switch from that segment. We are going to go to the Do You Believe segment. I got one question for Kyle, but it speaks volumes kind of on how this year has been going. Kyle. Do you believe? Do you believe that kickers get the most repercussions put on them on how they do? Um. Yeah, I, I think so, but it's not fair. Think of it this way: the kicker, it, when you're a kicker, it's a make or miss league, where you're only going to get three or four opportunities per game on average, to either kick a field goal, kick an extra point, whatever. So the sample size for a kicker is much smaller. Whereas a quarterback, you throw an interception, shoot, you're going to have 25, 30, 35, 40 times to redeem yourself and have awesome throws. Whereas kicker, you know, you miss. That's a, that's a third of your opportunities, potentially. So... Fair or not, it's what they signed up for, and it's what they get paid to do, Mike. So yeah, it's uh, they are definitely just due to a sample size more prone to criticism. Because I was thinking about like, say, I mean, even in the Packers situation, like yeah, Jordan Love threw his two interceptions, but Anders Carlson missed that one. You know, granted, it's here that he's had, but uh, I'm surprised people aren't at his house with pitchforks because the way people have been talking about him is pretty. 
Oof, rough. And then same thing with um Tyler Bass for the for the Bills. I mean, at at the end of the day, you only got two perfect kickers, I would say, and that's Justin Tucker and Harrison or uh, uh and Buckner. Um uh, was it Aubrey or whatever for um for Cowboys? And then the Lions kicker, yeah. honestly, now yeah, the Raiders still got it. I mean, eh. But the the Lions kicker, um, help me Badge, out here, Michael Badgley. Badgley. He is also outstanding. Um, yeah, he ever since he's gotten that role, he's done well. I think there is so much put on kickers because, like, yeah, as I said, everybody's blaming Carlson. Everybody's blaming um, uh, Tyler Bass right now. It's just how, regardless of how the other team is done, like everybody's pointing at them for those. Whether it's a 50-yard field goal, a 20-yard field goal, or, or a 60-yard field goal, people think if you get up there, you need to kick it. I would not be able to do that role, and I think there's a lot of light. Like, you have to be a Justin Tucker and able to not have people totally bash you. Because even Mason Crosby with the Packers, I'm just because I know Packers as well. Everybody knows that. But um, towards the end of his thing, everybody was wanting him out because he kept missing you know, here and there kicks. I just wanted to t- – I, I had to ask you that question because it has been a rough year for kickers, Kyle. Extremely rough. And it has. But if you can't stand the heat, Mike, get out of the get kitchen. Get out of the kitchen. Well, there it is, guys. That's what I have. Now, Um, we're going to roll from this. I do want to talk more in-depth about the – um, championship games coming up, which is the Ravens versus the Chiefs and the Lions versus the 49ers. We'll hit the, the, wait, the Lions are playing for, or no, I'm sorry. Lions, Lions the, are uh, playing last. Yeah, the Ravens and Chiefs. Chiefs are going to face Ravens at home. This is like their first uh championship game since like 1976 or something at home the ravens it's uh i think i saw I something believe, about I that you're correct yes since dirt was invented you know pretty much um that is right there is one of the huge reasons why i think the ravens are going to win too i think everybody's going to show up I know Chiefs fans are crazy and they're going to travel up there, but the Ravens and how Lamar Jackson and even Dalvin Cook started getting going with Justice Hill. OBJ's been going. You know, Zay Flowers is they have we've been talking about all the weapons that like the 49ers have. It's been so crazy seeing these people kind of get back in the flow of things. And Lamar Jackson's starting to throw some really tight passes. I, he's been doing it all year, but man, watching him in the playoffs, and even if he makes him, or even if he messes up or whatever, it doesn't affect how his playability is. It, it's it's been something to watch, but I think just the home deal because Kansas City's usually the one that has the home games. I think that's helped them out a lot. Ravens having their home game, the temperatures aren't going to be the greatest as well. But I do think that with all their weapons that they have, I do think it'll be a blowout. Kyle, can you hit me with the odds on this one? Uh, Baltimore favored uh, by three and a half. That's it? Yes. 
what are your thoughts, Kyle? The spread opened at three. It's out to three and a half. Mike, we know that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are an unstoppable force. And you talk about Baltimore not hosting a a, a playoff game, uh, NFC, an AFC championship since the 70s. Chiefs went out last week, did something they haven't had to do in the Patrick Mahomes era, which was go out and win on the road. Now they come back to an equally difficult place to play in Baltimore. Mike, the weapons you touched on, Baltimore has so many role players. They're running back by committee. They're wide receivers, the whole gamut. They're just, I know the Chiefs have been hot. But the buck stops here, Mike. I'm taking Baltimore as well. I think Baltimore, the Chiefs might be able to slow them down and keep this a low-scoring affair. The over-under is only 44.5, so they're thinking like a a 24-20 type game. I can see Kansas City keeping it close and then Baltimore just getting it done late. But, yeah, it's the Chiefs just don't have enough offense, I think, to keep up with Baltimore. So I'm going to take the Ravens. What's your true thought, though, at the three-point spread? Like, you, do you really think it's going to be a field goal game? Well, with the spread right now at, at three and a half, Mike, it's, uh, you know, in the over-under being 44 and a half, that's 20, that's a, a 20-24 type game. So you you hit the under and the, and you, the spread, you're just above the spread. So it's, uh, that's kind of what Vegas is telling you. and. I don't see this. I don't see a scenario where this game becomes a blowout. These are two teams, the Ravens established coaching staff has been one of the, the clearly one of the best teams in the NFL all season. I just, in the chiefs, they've got too much pride. They've been there, done that as a team, as a coaching staff. Either side is not going to let this game be a blowout. It's going to be a close. I think the I think the three three and a half number is a good number. Huh. Well, I think it's going to be a little bit more on the ten point win by Ravens because, bro, like I I mean we just said it. We touched on the Ravens are such a, like hardcore offense. They're a juggernaut. If they can't get it going on the ground with. Lamar Jackson rushing for 3,000 yards a game, then they're going to get it going in the air with Zay Flowers catching for 200 yards a game. I mean, that's just how it's going to be, and you, they can't cover it because the second they cover Zay Flowers, all of a sudden OBJ swaps some batteries, and then he'll go off for 60, 70, 80 yards. And it's crazy to watch him, and I'm not even a big Ravens guy. I don't really care about them, really. But this year has got me like, damn, please beat the Chiefs, you know? Moving on to the NFC Championship, we've got the Lions and the 49ers. 49ers are flavored, are flavored, are favored by a flat seven. So what's the flavored spread? That is the, that, well, not the the spread, spread. not just a spread. Over under is 50 and a half. Yes, there it is. So they anticipate like a 27, 24 type. Well, it'd be more like a math, like a 31-21 type game. 
So your math's not flavoring right now? Yeah, it's yeah, trying to do it on the fly. So before I do my thoughts, Kyle, who do you think is going to take it? Mike. What do you always tell me, by the way, with the Packers? I just want to make sure. Um, feelings are out of it, correct? Feelings are out of this. Yes, correct. Okay. If the Lions want to win this game, I feel they need to be a front runner once again. They need to make Brock Purdy feel uncomfortable and feel like he has to push the ball downfield because he is, he, we have seen when he has been forced to do that, he's been prone to turnovers. Debo Samuel, 50-50 right now, that's, that's going to be a big factor. If the Lions can play from out front and force, if Brock Purdy has two or more turnovers, the Lions win. But Mike, I just... Is that going to happen, Kyle? I want it to happen so badly, but Mike, I just, I think the 49ers are too much. Vegas is telling you there's, the spread has bounced around between six and a half and seven and a half. And it's sitting at seven right now. I just, man, I'd love to see it, but I think the 49ers are just too much. It just all, all, postseason I've been saying it's going to be a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl and as much as I'd love the Lions to get there I just it's been a great season they're a year ahead of where we thought they'd be 49ers at home just too much for the Lions to handle yeah yep I'm gonna have to agree because just with the secondary that the Lions have, if they have to focus on the best, it's Christian McCaffrey's not even the best running back in the league. Like he is the like he is up there. He's the clear number one. One yeah. And his catching ability as well. Um if the Lions focus on that, yeah, they might be able to stop him. But I if they get Debo back, which I could see them playing Debo, even if he's at 80%, like they're just gonna use him just as a diversion. But I mean with yeah, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, it's gonna be hard. And then Juan Jennings, they were getting him going against the Packers as well, and he didn't see a lot of light before, but he's been showing up in the playoffs. I think it's too much for the Lions because the Lions, you even said it pretty much, are extremely one-dimensional right now. Their secondary has been did do better last game, but they focus on the run defense. And, I mean, they let some yards go to White, and they let some yards go to Kyron Williams. 61 yards. To Kyron Williams. Yes. We know that. Why do we know that, Kyle? Well, I lost a bit. I lost a bet on it. <laughs> so, I will. I will say, Mike. I do think there's a good shot. Overall, Lions hold 49ers as a team to under 100 yards rushing. Because again, and the Lions are also the the are excuse me. The 49ers are not the best at stopping the run. No. So if the Lions can really, really lean on their one-two punch of Gibbs and Montgomery. And have some, you know, they did a good job last week of chewing the clock up against the Bucks on some of their drives. 
having seven minute drives. If they can do that a couple times against the 49ers, they got a shot, but man, and you, you can't forget you got Nick Bosa on the other side and just Montez. Well, Nick Bosa and uh, I'm sorry, not Montez Sweat. Uh, Chase but, Young. Um, yeah, Chase Young. That's it's, rough. It's it is. That O line is gonna be put to the test. And man, it's just I want it to be the Lions. If if I had it my way, Mike, I'd say it's a Chiefs Lions Super Bowl to end the season just like how the season started. But I'm feeling it. I'm I'm feeling that's gonna be Ravens 49ers. Kyle, if the Lions win, what do you do? Do you do you throw out all doctors' orders and just slam painkillers with whiskey or what? No, no, we're keeping it on the straight and narrow, but Mike, I will be very excited because anything goes in the Super Bowl. And you know, just give us a shot. That's all I ask. And I know you live an hour away from Detroit, but if they do go to the Super Bowl, you may be in question of your house burning down as well. We don't know how far those fires will go out. Oh boy, yeah, it's it's uh gonna be scorched earth. If the Lions were, if the Lions did do it, oh dude, and and Super Bowl tickets right now are like for decent seats are already like ten grand a pop. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dip into the post victory uh, fund. Oh yeah, to get a we, ticket if the Lions do go. Yeah, we'll need uh, we'll need a couple more sponsorships here or not sponsor subscribers here. There it is. But Kyle, wrap it up. Yep, guys, so that's our breakdown of the upcoming conference championship games. We hope you guys enjoyed it. If uh, if you would, give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that stuff. And we will talk to you next week, hopefully previewing the Chiefs-Lions Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Thank you all, folks. <laughs>